0: to another episode of MJ's Progress, Not Perfection. Today's guest is Steve. Steve has a couple episodes. We did an episode that is audio only because the video got messed up from Skype. So that, look for that on Apple, iTunes, look for that on Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, it will be up there as a bonus, but this will be audio and video, so if you're watching on YouTube, then you're going to see this part, but if you want to hear more from Steve then check out the bonus by going to Apple, by going to Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, you can find us under MJ's Progress Not Perfection. And you'll be able to find some bonus episodes that are actually audio only and none of it's on YouTube. But enjoy, this episode it is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. The name sounds familiar because it is where my podcast studio is held. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. And since we can't get any of the local businesses to sponsor what we do here, I figure I'll sponsor the podcast. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet somewhere. I can do this in a basement somewhere. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. And I can do this podcast. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. You know, we've had a lot of amazing success stories that keep me so filled with gratitude that I do this. So if you can help out what we do here, then that would be amazing. You know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated Goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. That's all. That's all we need. You know. We don't need a lot to keep this going. We need like seven fifty a month. We get seven fifty a month and everybody can come here all day long for meetings and it would be amazing. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. So that's who is sponsoring this podcast for now on. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever. And you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode.
1: You know, I'll it's just such like... a weird drug, dude. Like, I actually, I actually think it's the most overrated drug in in the list of drugs.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, it's a like,
1: life. It's so weird. It's like, I don't know. It's like you, it's like a tease and you don't really get high like you do, but not really. I feel like i don't know for me and then it's like i don't know i I just don't know why afterward i'm like why did i do that (laughs) i had to i I would have to do like an entire eight ball in a night to like feel the like high
0: of coke you know i would take a nap after
1: an eight ball like yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i went on a coke bender like i was never really into coke and then i moved to north carolina and i couldn't get pills and my fiance had just died and i just needed to like escape everywhere i could so I was drinking a lot, but I could get blow easily. So there was times where like I would go through an eight ball in a night, yeah. Just setting up giant lines only because I wanted to snort something. It had nothing to do with the right. coke. <laughs> it was me needing the you know the act of snorting. Yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah. It's like a habit at that point. You're just like a f- creature of of habit.
0: Were you addicted to? Were you a snorter?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually never. I never shot a drug actually so I did shoot one drug once I shot ketamine um the buddy of mine he was from the vet (laughs) we were snagging it from some some vet clinic or something and uh my friend fucked up like cause you cook it like you put a plate over the boiling water and then it kind of like rises up and then like you catch it at the right time. He couldn't get it at the right time like in the right temperature, the right steam all that so he was we were just like fuck it. And I was like all right I shot in my leg like that seemed like a pretty like uh innocuous place to shoot myself up with the drug so um it was a fun experience we watched march of the penguins <laughs> uh that was pretty fun um but i'll never do that again uh but yeah no i i was a snorter mostly um, yeah and like were you
0: addicted to the act of snorting
1: mm-hmm.
0: like i i like the ritual very like, much. I, yeah, like the ritual was so important to me. Whether I had a different, it was rit- a
1: stupid ritual. You'd be like sitting in your car in fucking Walmart
0: parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I had different rituals depending on where I was. You know okay. what I mean? Because like you, when you do pills so much, you find yeah. different. Like I'm either doing it in my car or doing it at home, right? Those are the yeah. two places. And at home, it's set up like with the dresser and the whole thing, and you have like a whole every everything is in a certain spot, and you go. But in my car, it was always. You know, I don't know about you, but like I used full size straws in my car, you know, because full size I, straws, the straws, like, yeah. Um, and so, like, I broke all my CDs.
1: You know what I mean? The thing good. where like you, you would bend it and then bite it and then snort it My buddy did that, and I couldn't get into that. Like, he tried showing it to me, and like, because I think it's because one time we I was with him and he did that, and then my other friend, he was driving, hit a pothole. It was like boop, and then it just went like all over. You see, I, was like, I don't want to risk that. I did that every. I
0: did them them every day that way. Like I would yeah. get in my car. I would drop McDonald's and Wawa are the only straws you could use for this, because all the other straws were too small to fit the pill into. Because okay. you know McDonald's they had the fatter straws, and so did Wawa. So if you got their straws, you could actually fit a full size thirty without breaking. Like even like
1: Big John's, like the you were the
0: five seven ones or whatever. Yeah, I didn't really fuck with them, but they came around right as I was leaving
1: the U. Yeah, yeah, a little bit before that. Yeah, Yeah, it was
0: like coming in right as I was going. I was still on M's, V's, A's. (laughs) I heard they don't
1: make most of them anymore. Yeah, uh, they
0: probably don't. They probably those companies yeah. probably got a lot of, got in
1: trouble. I also heard they're like two dollars a milligram too. That I'm so glad I'm dumb man. I got <laughs> yeah, out. But yeah. I started; it was like ten, fifteen bucks for one. Like yeah,
0: like two dollars a milligram. I like, went to thirties because they were cheaper than buying tens. You know what that? I mean? It was cheaper than buying tens. Oh hell yeah! Thirties. Yeah. So you know, but yeah, I, I would drop like sometimes three or four into that straw, bite it, extend it. <laughs> And good to go while I was driving. And then there was that one time. There was that one time, get right? Bottle. I picked up, but it was so random. I picked up my dude. And my dude was a guy who didn't do them. He just sold them, you know. You know how some of the pill dealers either, you get the ones that are, the ones like me that are like strung out. They're selling the pills just to support their habit. Yeah. And then And then you get the dealers that, you know, they have full-time jobs and they don't ever do any pills. And this a- is what. This is what they do to make money, you know, so this is that dude. and I'm This is in township or whatever. And I drove all the way to fuck down there from PA, you know, two hours. He gets in my car and he's like, hey, my car's at the shop. Can you give me a ride? And I'm like, yeah, man, like this is you know how it is with your dealers. You talk to them every day. It's like your best friend. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, you talk every day. It's the person you talk to every day. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, man, hop in. I'll give you a ride. So we're driving there and as we're going there it's like on Burling Cross Keys Road so the that road okay. is fucked and yeah I'm he hands me the 2 and I'm put, I put 2 in there that's all I could afford that day was 2 so I load up the 2 and I'm breaking it as I'm about to extend pothole shit everywhere all over my lap
1: just dust the right everywhere. place the right time well I guess the wrong place the wrong time <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: had the right person in my car because he was like, dude, if I did not see that, I never would have believed you. Here's two more. Thanks for the ride. Wow. Uh, wow. You know what I mean? Pretty- you, know, <laughs> you know, if he was like, if, if you would have called me and said that happened, I would have been like bullshit. But yeah. I saw yeah, it happen. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, this is the same guy that when I went to rehab, I called him up and I'm like, hey, man. I got to go to rehab or I'm going to kill myself. I know you owe me $1,800. What do you want me to do? And he was like, you go to rehab. You don't call me anymore. You don't owe me the money. If you go to rehab oh, and you hit really? me up for more Johns, you owe me the money. Wow. I haven't talked to him in three years. Four wow. four years. Three and a half years. Wow. Hmm. So I reached out one time um, in sobriety my first year. Just say, Hey you're not going to hear from me. I'm, I'm doing good. I don't want pills anymore. I just wanted to say congrats on your new business, because I saw on Facebook he got a new business. Congrats on the new business, but don't worry, I'm not going to be hitting you up for shit. I'm doing good. That's what's up. And I'm, you know, he said, oh, that's awesome, and we haven't talked since.
1: So... <laughs> I'm impressed that a drug dealer uh, had the had the uh, wherewithal and the, uh, and the care.
0: <laughs> but you know what it is, though? It's that... It's that manipulation that we get over time as addicts, I think. We're naturally manipulative. So we become – if you're a chatty person like me, I'm hitting up my dealer all the time, and he knows how depressed I am. He knows that I want to kill myself. He knows the the conversations that I've had with myself about going into a tree because I'm having – I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a relationship. My dealer is my relationship. That's the person you you wake up, hey – are you awake yet how did you sleep yeah. <laughs> can i come by <laughs> you know so like that dealer if you are a person that is a manipulative person you're going to be best friends with your dealers you know and yeah. i met other it's people like that's
1: closer enemies closer yeah
0: you know? so well i mean we're, we'll keep all this and i don't give a shit so because <laughs> we're already rolling now it's fine we're, so we're, when did we're. you just dis- what got you into pills in the first place? Cause I know what got me into pills in South Jersey. So what got you into pills?
1: Um, I think, um, I think it was like, I think what pretty much. So like I had tried perks a couple of times, like, like when I was, you know, 18, I tried one or something like, Ooh, like a five, like the tens. Yeah. yeah like some Ten, shit like that. Like yeah. one here, one there, two there. But like it's over like period of few years and like like a couple times and um when I was like twenty one that's when I got really into like psychedelics like a lot and I was pretty much tripping like six or seven days a week and for like two years like acid, I said tri- acid or shrooms uh acid okay. mostly uh, yeah it was my thing plenty of other stuff too like we did DMT I had a friend who was a uh, chemistry uh, professor um he synthesized DMT DET um uh me and mushrooms don't get along ne- me neither i can't i throw i
0: within 10 minutes i'm vomiting and they don't touch me because i throw up so fast
1: yeah i had a, I had two really bad trips i did have two good trips after that uh but i the key is not taking a whole eighth <laughs> i can't like I, I i'll do it again maybe but um it had to be like the right circumstances it was
0: it would have to be California. It's made out there kind of thing. I'm buying it legally for me to feel comfortable doing shrooms it's something again. Chill,
1: something in a good yeah. environment. Like if it's, I don't want it to just be like, hey, let's go get shrooms like on like you know a Thursday night in Philly or some shit like that. You know. Like yeah. I, I wanted to like kind of mean something, I guess. If I was but I, be- as it can be
0: a fun time. I, I mean, I went on this. I left yeah. because at 21, I was trying to find something new. And I went on a whole month binge of acid and ecstasy and fucking shrooms before I got into doing pills a lot because I realized, like, oh, shit, I can't do acid every
1: day. (laughs) Yeah, that's well, that's kind of why I got into um, the pills is because I was working at um, an Applebee's. I was working I was working at the one in um, in uh, Turnersville Um, and um, I was working in the kitchen there and I was the back of the house key. Um, so like a lot of shifts that have to come in at like 7am for the truck or, you know, I'd be like the first opener they had. like sometimes they would have like one opener and then like the other two cooks come in like an hour later staggered. Um, and I, you know, I'd be like wiped out cause like, you know, the night before last night I was tripping all night and then I, you know, then maybe like I did coke in the daytime and then just did more acid or some shit like that or did some molly or whatever and then then i'm like on like two hours of sleep or no hours of sleep for going in for a truck shift whatever and like like i said like i wasn't really like keen on coke at least not like on a a maintenance level like i didn't feel like i could like use that as a tool to like carry on stronger i guess um so and then uh i guess so like somebody at work. I don't know if it was somebody at work or I knew somebody outside of work because it got all kind of blurred at that time because, like, I had a friend who was outside of work who sold uh, tens, and he started working there, and then it was, like, um, kind of crisscrossed, but I um, I did, you know, I was getting the tens for a little bit, and, like, it was, I like, you know, like, in the beginning of Pills, like, it kind of gives you, like, energy, like, big time. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So... I guess I was kind of doing it like that, like, um, I mean, it was like, and then it became more than just that. It was like, you know, doing it like, you know, outside of work. And then it was just kind of like, it just kind of progressed from there. Um, I didn't really have, like, I was always curious, like, I guess I didn't really, um, I didn't really put a whole lot of weight like into like risk when I was, whenever like I, um, was trying a new drug. Like I, I knew I would try pretty much every drug. I had a couple that I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And um, I guess I didn't really like heroin was one of them, which I eventually did anyway. And meth was the other one. And I eventually did that anyway, too. So, so um, I I don't know. I guess I guess it was I was bound to, like, have something snag me. And that was that was what snagged me when I got when, you know, going on the, the Rolodex of drugs. Um, which and is it was, easy it's too. just like the habit thing, you know, yeah. I guess just you just kind of keep going with it because it's just like, I don't know, you just get used to it.
0: Especially, and I think that we're also, like, the product of, like, that South Jersey where it's so easy to, like, drive by and see somebody real quick. You know, like, hey, I'm going to swing through real quick. You know? Yeah. The real quick is something that you can't say in a lot of places. You know? And that's something that I learned living all over the fucking place is that I couldn't say I'm going to swing through real quick when I was in Massachusetts. It was a 38-square-mile town with the population of fucking Mount Ephraim. You know, eight thousand people. So like a real quick was I seen about forty five minutes, you know, and and then I got to drive all the way back in Jersey. You can pretty much all right. Where am I going to go? All right, I can see blah 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 on the way, or I can see this dude on this way. Yeah, I can see that dude on if that you go, way. It's
1: like it's like I lived in Blackwood. If I was going to Cherry Hill, Deptford, um, Runnymede, or lindenwald whatever or atco like everything's like in 20 like less 20 minutes or less pretty much you know i mean unless you're like you you know you come up and like drive nobody's got anything and then you have to go fucking i don't know yeet in pennsylvania or some shit like that yeah i mean the worst the worst
0: thing ever was you know the longest i ever had to drive when i was living in south jersey Mm. was i was in audubon and we would have to drive to township you know, mm-hmm. the Washington Township. Yeah. Go pick up and then drive back again. It's like, I got to drive all the way out there.
1: It's a half hour. It's like, yeah. I it's see, like I a luxury. I get, Like, cause I work in, over there. so like, I would get done work and like, I would, you know, something happen like maybe something fall through or later on in the night, you know, I need, I want more drugs. So I drive back to work or like, you know, somewhere else in Washington Township and like, so I'm going back and forth between Washington Township and Blackwood somewhere out like all the fucking time for you, a good couple years there
0: were you in parking lots a lot like i found myself sitting in a lot of parking lots
1: yeah I remember, but... uh, <laughs> I remember uh this like park like i would parking i would park up a lot and then i would like sit there and like listen to music and i just like i'd be sitting there for like a couple hours probably yeah and i wouldn't even like realize I, that's probably like why i'm late for shit all the time now <laughs> but uh um but yeah i was like kind of like my I, I, I was always parking up like Walmart was good on the side. I'd always park up on the side where, like, uh, the employee's I guess, like, park. trucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Wawa's. And it, I remember this one time, I was at this Wawa, the one uh, right by, um, uh, you know, like the Outback is there in Turnersville. Um, I, I used to go to that Wawa a lot and wait to go down to my dude.
0: Where yeah, the one's got like, two like...
1: entrances and shit. Like, you yeah, know, the one in the back. Yeah. so I like, parked out front of there one time, and it was like two in the morning i guess and i had like four 30s crushed up on a cd case i have one cd that i use almost exclusively the entire time i one did cd i uh, was the uh, the neptunes uh, <laughs> uh-huh. i don't know why but <laughs> i just had that cd and it's like i just i don't know it stayed so i use that pretty much every time but i had like four of them crushed up on the cd case and i hear i hear this dude like He's got the the bissell and the the broom and he's like sweeping up shit. But he's like maybe twenty yards behind me, and then I'm just like rip, and then I hear like, <laughs> and, like shoulder, and this guy's like two feet from my car, just like, looking right at me. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck though. He's just shaking his head. Just, yeah, yeah. It's I, like I, got, kinda, oh, sorry, I get, I get
0: like I get like PTSD now from sitting in parking lots too long. Like, I remember on my one year anniversary, I was in LA and I was like visiting people. I was waiting for my buddy to get done work. And I had like, I was just sitting around and I was trying to find something to do. You know what I mean? And I started getting anxious and I said, fuck it. And I hopped on the next plane back to Philly because I was sitting in a parking lot for like two hours and it was one year clean and sober. And I was just like starting to look around and I'm like, I never even sat in this parking lot, and yet I feel like I've sat in this parking lot for a <laughs> hundred. I was like, I need to fucking get out of here. Like, I need to do something. And I, the next flight meant I gotta get on a flight to San Fran to take the red eye home to Phillies, and so fucking be it. I need to be moving and doing something. If I'm just sitting in this parking lot, it's not gonna be any good for me.
1: Yeah, I think just sitting anywhere, like just idle hands, man. Like I feel like um, actually, I would say. Like, if I was going to give advice, if I had, if I had opportunity to give advice to one piece of advice to say everybody who, like, um, wants to know, like, how to, like, keep doing it, it's fucking find shit to do. Like, you have to find stuff to do. Like, I was always, like, um, I kind of, like, I have, like, ADHD, I think. I never got diagnosed, but I have to. Like, I'm just, there's no way I don't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, like, really hard for me to focus and stuff, and I get distracted a lot cause, because, because like, one thing will interest me, but then so does that, and so does that, and I'm, like, I'm pulled over here, and I, but I also, like, that trips me up, because I'm, like, you know, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not actually putting my, my, I'm not f- focusing my energy and my thoughts anywhere, specifically, so it's, like, I'm not really getting anything done, so, like, um, it was, like, once I started to, like, actually, like, do shit, like, that's when I would like, was like, okay, like I, feel, I felt like really like solid, like rock fucking solid, you know what I mean? I, yeah. think, uh, I think everybody needs to get something to do, and like whatever it is, even if it's just a hobby. This episode is sponsored by MJ's
0: Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. The name sounds familiar because it is where my podcast studio is held. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction, And since we can't get any of the local businesses to sponsor what we do here, I figure I'll sponsor the podcast. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet somewhere. I can do this in a basement somewhere. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery, and I can do this podcast. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. You know, We've had a lot of amazing success stories that, keep me so filled with gratitude that I do this so if you can help out what we do here then that would be amazing you know we do have a Venmo, we have a cash App, we have a paypal we have an address you can send a check to and you know all the money that gets donated goes towards rent goes towards keeping the lights on and goes towards keeping the internet on that's all that's all we need you know we don't need a lot to keep this going we need like 750 a month we get $7.50 a month, and everybody can come here all day long for meetings, and it would be amazing. So, please, you know, if you can get five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. So, that's who is sponsoring this podcast for now. On. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me, and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back
1: to the episode. Stability financially maybe um but any anything that's going to keep you occupied something that you love to do because um because when you sit around and you don't have shit to do like you know you find things to do and like and if it's not something good it's something bad
0: (laughs) yeah even if it's fucking model trains you know yeah. what I mean? Like model trades are pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, just do something because you're yeah. absolutely right. Like even as like I go to meetings and I know you're not a meeting person, you know what I mean? We all different recoveries, and that's the point. Is I don't want everybody on here that's Mr. N- AA or N A or Miss N A or AA. Like I want people on here that have different types of recoveries, people that even still drink regular like occasionally, yeah. That aren't necessarily like have AUD alcohol use disorder. Yeah. You, you can have substance use disorder and not have AUD, you know, because we're not in. Media I didn't where, know that. Yeah. Alcohol use disorder is different from substance use disorder, you know, and the difference is drugs and alcohol, because there are people that ha- can have glasses of wine and not need to finish it and not need to finish a bottle. And the wine doesn't take them into drugs. People yeah. can do that. There are people out there. Just I'm not one of them. You can be one of them.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. why like um it's why like somebody can do um it's why like I think somebody can do um like a opiate uh pain management program and use it correctly and you know other people can't and it's just like with every substance it's like so like, I have like a saying it's like uh everybody is different and everybody is different yeah. and it's like you know this it's like it's not a one size fits all thing everything it's just different for everybody you know what i mean everybody's got different body makeups and different things react differently in different people's bodies yep. you know and then there's and like so, extenuating so, circumstances you know like home life and shit like that nature versus nurture yeah and some people can
0: drink and you know can't drink they're, they they do have AUD they do go overboard when they drink yeah. but if they're given a pill they don't like pills they just take them as prescribed
1: yeah. You know, so they yeah. wouldn't I know have that, like literally like they get sick if they try that shit like. Yeah. If they try any type of opiate or like anything like that, it just makes their makes them queasy and like they just can't do it.
0: Yeah, so there are people that are on both sides. So that's why yeah. there are two different classifications according to the DMC, like the official medical guide for codes of what you diagnose. There are SUD and AUD and not all one thing.
1: Are you um I, I know you said you you run um therapy over there are you like a certified uh, we run meetings sort? no we run meeting like oh, okay. group therapy meetings
0: like okay. cognitive meetings where Got we get it. together and nobody's a professional therapist and you know there are there are a lot of people that come yeah. to our meetings that
1: are where people are talking is therapy and,
0: yeah exactly
1: point, you know what i mean yeah
0: there's a lot of peer counselors too that come here just for themselves What's where peer counselor so a peer counselor is say We'll all we have to do is get a certificate, right? You and I could do this, okay. where we could get a certificate, and we could help other addicts with not being therapists, but being them as in, hey, I've been you. I've been in your shoes, buddy. It's like a paralegal to a lawyer. Yeah, it, cool. it's like a mental – it's kind of like a sponsor, but kind of like a therapist version of a sponsor. I got you. You know, yeah. where I'm talking to you because you you've been through addiction, you know, too. You're not necessarily a therapist. Because you haven't done six years of school, but you've got a certificate and you've done 10 years of addiction as your school. You know what I mean? Your school was living it and you have experience to teach it out now. So that's what peer counselors are. And we have a lot of them in this area for like the LGBTQ and stuff like that. And they come to our meetings, you know, especially on Thursday night. They live in the sticks, though, too, right? Yeah, we live in a – we have a college in our town. You know, Bloomsburg University is a pretty big school for a state school it's a pretty big school is there a lot of meetings around there no not for na there's literally before i started na here there was only one na meeting a week in our town and now i yeah i just added four more um so
1: yeah there's only yeah yeah
0: there's there's literally houses exploding all the time in the paper from meth labs oh shit a massive
1: thing up there huge yeah,
0: yeah. like I'm i have truck a job is probably right well not even that it's just that it's easiest to like make you know yeah, you can make
1: if you want to do a clandestine meth lab you want to do it somewhere in in, in the boonies the i guess fucking,
0: yeah i mean you can literally make it anywhere as opposed to you know weed you need the right kind yes. of ground sometimes you need a whole big set like you can literally make meth anywhere and that's I why
1: i had a neighbor uh, growing up <clears throat> didn't find this out till i was like 18 my mom told me because i i when I was a kid. It's like um, there's a, a a son and a daughter. The son was like close to my age, and the daughter's a little bit older. And then uh the mom and the dad. And then for like years, I didn't see the dad. And i so like um, I I just casually asked my mom one day we were off front, and I didn't you know I didn't see him. It it occurred to me. So and she was like, yeah, like he uh you didn't hear about him? I'm like, no, like what? It's like he was, he's, in, he's been in jail for the last uh, like seven or eight years. Uh, he got 15 years for uh, he got caught with a meth lab in Philly, like, in a, like a, a South Philly row home. Like, could you imagine this? <laughs> Should happen there? Like, that's the whole just, block would have exploded. Oh, yeah, easily, like, with these, e- especially like, these old, rinky ass, yeah. <laughs> and that's rinks.
0: and that's the difference. Is that's why they, they don't do that as much around Philly and you know, around where Philly is, you know, you're in a port. When you are in a port city, you can get anything. like yeah. I, like when you when you nerd out about like geographics, if you think about all major cities, are you here, know, I
1: never really give that a lot of thought, but like because that is they,
0: because yeah. there wasn't roads, there wasn't yeah. even fucking railroads back then, yeah. so to to have your city build up the way that it did in the 1800s, you had to have access for a ship yeah. to come to port, and if you did not, then you're not going to be a big city. So all major cities do have a river or a port of some sort because they didn't become a major city for nothing. They became a right. major city from getting all their shit and all that's how they got railroads. Yeah. They brought all that through the port. Mm-hmm. So and it's still to this day it's a huge deal with bringing in <laughs> drugs because yeah. they smuggle in so many drugs from all over the place. Um there was a girl on here that her boyfriend was like a high up high ranking dude for a gang, and she wouldn't get into which one, but in Camden. But he <laughs> ran a lot of shit in Camden for years, and she was saying how much they had to go to the port all the time. That's where, you know, they would get shit from,
1: you know yeah. It would be delivered. They had two really big cocaine busts recently. There was one, I think, last month, and then there was another one from, like, a like year, year and a half ago. I think. Camden's doing a lot better ever since they decided, like, hey, we need to
0: fire the entire police force.
1: Yeah, I actually got a big <laughs> argument with somebody on Twitter about that, because he was like, you know, he's like, um, uh, what do what they call it, community policing? I'm like, he's like you know, community pol- policing doesn't work. It goes by their statistics, da not know. I'm like, but, like, wh- whether it's them reporting the statistics or some, some other agency, a third, like, a, an outside agency yeah. reporting, you know, how many how highs many it are, it's still going to be this many people died, this many people got shot. So what do you mean? And it's like a drastic, drastic change. It's like something like, um, I think they went from 61, like their highest one was like, uh, it was like in 19, it was like in the early nineties, I think 93, I want to say it was like their highest level ever of, of homicides. Like, and then now they're like, it was like 60 something, I think 61, I think in a year. And then, um, the, they're down to, like, 20, I think. It's so now. much
0: better. It's ever yeah. since. Well, because the cops you didn't hear can't, shit
1: about them during um, all the riots. Like, they were quiet. And actually, there was a, a march where it was, like, police and the, the community. Like, where they walked them. with them. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: It was very impressive. And it has a lot to do with what the county sheriffs do instead of, like, when you, you were city cops, the, the city cops were in the town and doing shady shit with the people they were supposed to be, you know, arresting. Yeah, you know that was the problem. Was they had to arrest the entire, they had to fucking fire the entire police force, because there was so much, so many people like that were doing shady things. They didn't know which one was doing which. They just said, "Fuck it, we're firing everybody." And then the county sheriff. Yeah, I think there's
1: only there's there's one thing that I think um I'm not I don't totally agree with uh, that they do um they use they make use of uh security uh, cameras and CCTV. I'm not, I'm not really keen on that. Um, it. I guess it's, I don't know the full extent of it. Like, I don't know exactly what they. I know it's only in public spaces. I don't know. So, like, I I have to like look at it. I guess, but just the thought of it kind of like makes me go like, like I don't know. I'm not. Were you I'm not were really... you on CCTV that night, or was it a security camera
0: that night? That like,
1: uh, oh, that, that was, was his. Oh okay that yeah okay yes, that was camera. Right. Okay. Uh, he had he had uh he had one, and the neighbor had one too, which I found like later on, uh or he showed me later on, but yeah,
0: yeah, that's and that's for anybody you know what's gonna be a second part to this release of this episode where we talk about the dodo story that we kind of just referenced um, yeah, so anyway, now, when did you start noticing? or did you notice at all that you were an addict, that you needed these pills every day, or were you in denial about it?
1: Um, I was in denial about it for, like, it was pretty quick, I guess, when I grasped it, but there was still, like, a period of denial. Um, I started doing them in, like, late 2008, like, 2009-ish, and then, uh, it was, around 2010 is when i started to like you know i guess i like pointed out to myself in like an inner dialogue um yeah uh and then i i didn't go more than a year at that point before like i just told my parents you know what i mean because i started realizing that they like you know they could pick up on it um they didn't for a while but then they i could tell that they were and then uh um and then it was maybe like six months or something like that uh a lot of like you know it hanging over our heads because I was living with my parents at the time and like like you know they'll bring it up what are you gonna, like do you got to do something about it and then me just being like yeah like you know whatever and then like 2011 um I actually I told my mom that I wanted to go to rehab and then so I did uh but it was still a long struggle after that like I still had like a lot of, I guess, figuring out to do, uh, because it was, like, a whole nother, what's that, like, 2011, 2011, another six, seven years that I did them after that, so, and the longest I ever did them, like, I, like I said, like, I stopped, I would detox myself a lot, um, towards the end, like, I kind of figured out this little, like, way to do it, um, but, like, I'd always hop right back into it, pretty much, I never went more than, like, I think the longest I didn't do them was right after rehab. I probably went like four to six months, not even, and then, um, and then beyond that, maybe like a couple weeks, I'll go. You know. Yeah. Now, how would you detox yourself?
0: Because like you only went to rehab once, right? Yeah so yeah. actually yeah. in rehab i
1: declined suboxone too
0: so did i yeah because yeah. i
1: didn't i didn't want to be comfortable i asked questions though because like i wanted to know like hey like if i don't take suboxone because i wanted to like my whole like i knew I, I i guess i knew even from day one if i was going to get clean it would have to be sans another medication like i could not continue another medication just to like you know, get off of that, at least for yeah. me, like, I have no problem if other people do it, like, you know, whatever works for Yeah. You, as long as you have a, a fruitful life, um, yeah. but, um, but I, I guess I, yeah, I guess I think, I think I always knew that I had to do something like that, but I would basically do, like, um, I would have, so I would get, like, one suboxone, usually I would keep a couple around, so, like, I would have, like, maybe three or four at a time, and it would last me a while, because I would take, uh, you, you wouldn't be doing halves like these fucking... I'd be doing, like, describing. a half. I would break it up into, like... So I'd break it up into two halves. And then the one half I'd break up into eight pieces. Yeah. And then the other half I'd break up into, like, 10 or 12 pieces. So they're, like, you know, anywhere between 0. 0.5 and, you know... And this is 0. for 0. the 7, pill 5. itself. What's that? It, you were using the pills? I there was was using pills the, uh, mostly the strips. Mostly, but I would use the pills sometimes. I guess it depends what they had, but most of the time it yeah. was strips that I was getting, and then um, I basically like day one wake up and put it on my tongue like a one of the bigger pieces, yeah, well, it's small as shit, but the bigger of the tabs. So you were tapered, yeah, and then I would Sweet. put a podcast on, lay back, um, and I my thought process was like. My mouth's dry as shit in the morning. So you put that on your tongue because, like, if you salivate and you swallow your saliva, you're not getting the suboxone. So I wanted to get like every fucking ounce of that suboxone in my body. So I would listen to a podcast, lay back, and then I would usually doze off for another 20 minutes, 30 minutes, hour. And then, and then it would kind of like, I would be pretty comfortable. And then I would take another one uh after dinner. And then, um and then I would do that again for, day two day three and then day four i would switch to the smaller ones and then uh i would do day and night day and night day and night and then day seven i would just go to one in the morning and then um sometimes i'd have to go to like day eight and do one in the morning sometimes day nine but usually day seven or day eight and in the morning and then i was good after that and i was like at first i was like yeah it was great like i can i can manage like you know, I can just let's stop when I want and get right back into it. And I was like, this is stupid because like I'm still spending my money, wasting like this, you know. So I did that for like maybe like a couple years, and then that's when I finally stopped. So yeah. So just, what
0: was it that you were just like, all right, I'm finally done. Like I, I'm done with these.
1: Um, you know what? I don't know because because at the time that I stopped, I had my life wasn't like nearly in the turmoil that it was um I had I got a felony maybe like a year I guess prior um but I said like after the felony I was just like kind of like minding my p's and q's just staying home but I was still getting high here and there and then I started selling heroin and then I started doing heroin rather quickly and then I was doing a lot of heroin rather quickly and then this one day I was just I was watching the World Cup. It was this morning and I had work at like twelve. Um I was working at Rexy's. <laughs> and I had work at twelve and uh the World Cup and the World Cup was in Russia that year. Uh so I um all the games would be like at like eight, nine in the morning. So I woke up in the morning, watched some I think it was the first game. And um I was just nodding out, you know, I was getting high in the morning, so, like, I was, I was nodding out, and then I, I fell on the floor, like, I fell out of my chair, like, I never, like, I never even, I never over I never, if I would nod out, like, I would, you know, I'd be, like, sitting down somewhere, and, like, I wouldn't fall out of my chair, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, like, somebody seeing Kensington, like, standing up, like, falling over like that, so I was never, like, in, in that, like, mode, I guess, and I think, I don't know. I don't know what went through my head at that moment, but like I was on that floor and then like, I kind of got up and I was just like, I sat back down and I was just like, I don't know. Something came over me and I was just like, I'm I'm fucking done with this shit. And I, I, uh, I texted a couple people at work and I was like, Hey, like, you know, I need some shifts covered this week. I'm, I need to be out like, and then, um, Cole Hill got me. And then, uh, I think a couple people knew, like they figured it, like my one buddy worked there. He obviously he knew, um and uh yeah i spent eight days in my bedroom uh, It was the worst eight days of my life <laughs> uh it was dude heroin withdrawal is 10 times worse than percocet withdrawal did you I, ever did you, you hear know,
0: that was i i knew i was an addict a month in and i had that kind of inner dialogue i've talked about in other episodes that inner life that inner dialogue saved my life because it lasted me 10 years of doing pills But it also kept me from doing heroin at all because I knew that I was an addict early on. And I said to myself, you're going to be fine as long as you don't do heroin because you're going to lose control if you do heroin and you can control this.
1: So it was good and it wasn't. I don't think, like, I feel like no matter what, like, I don't feel like anybody has any idea how out of control, how little control they have over heroin. Because I think it's like 80% of bags of heroin you buy is not heroin yeah It's like fentanyl, and then like a bunch of fentanyl analogs, and like or some crazy fucking you know test chemical that's you know barely on the DEA's watch list. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so how the so you get through that eight days and you're just like, all right, now I'm fucking done. Like I'm good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I it was so weird. Like I don't know because like there wasn't like a profound thing that happened to me, and um, I just kind of did it, and then. I, I don't know, I had, I, I knew, I, I didn't have like a distinct thought about it, but looking, I guess in retrospect, I, I had a, an air of confidence that time, like, I don't know what it was, something just felt different, and I, I think I just really was just over it, I guess, you know? Now, like, what was, what
0: was your felony for, can I ask you about that? Uh, burglary. Burglary, and that was yeah.
1: driven by pills or heroin? uh i was doing pills at the time okay yeah the heroin came after the um well actually was it after that yeah it was like right after it is when i got into the heroin so what were you doing that you catch a felony
0: felony with pills then because like i've got pills and you know
1: i uh i had a friend um who i was staying with at the time Uh, i was homeless at the time um and He was supposed to go to Mexico or something with his dad Um, and they something happened where he missed his flight. So my friend like just didn't go on the trip. I think his dad did, though. And then he he used his dad's house uh, for like laundry and stuff like that. So like um, he was going, he wanted to he asked me because I I drove at the time and he did not And. He asked if we wanted to go there to uh, do some laundry. So we did. And then um, he randomly brought out this giant uh, water jug of change. And he, he was like, Yeah, he's like, You ever take change from your parents? I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, uh, So he's like, Yo, let's, let's take a little handful. So he took a handful. I took a handful. And that was that. And then when we got back to the house later at night, I think it was that night or the next night. but. I took the house key from his keys and I went over to the house and I took like half the change jar. I don't know why they just take the whole change jar, but, um, yeah, what just, did you like, feel like, it was like I had to like pour out half of it? Yeah. It was like a big jug. so like, I had to pour out half of it and <laughs> it would have been like a lot quieter if I just picked up the jug and just put it in the car. But yeah, but yeah, so, um, uh, I guess his dad, his dad realized it and this is me or the other uh, kid. And, um I I confessed to it like right away, pretty much. I don't know why. I I don't know why I do half the shit I do, but yeah, I was just like um yeah, I was like I did it, Well so. you probably
0: didn't think it was a felony to take change. Well it was what made, was it over five hundred dollars or some shit? Uh
1: so actually you know what I found out. Um I found out one one of my other charges, um I had um we were stealing a cell phone. Like I was trying to steal I was selling a stolen cell phone. And I found out that um, if there's like I think it's like 300 bucks. I think it might have changed, though. But if it's um, if the item of value that you stole is over a certain amount, it's uh, considered um, a criminal offense. And then uh, if it's under, it's a misdemeanor. But the value goes off whatever that person says it's valued at. So if you have an 800 hundred dollar iPhone, right? And it's year old, and you and it gets stolen, and um they find the guy and say like okay, and the cops will call you like hey like, what was this how much was it worth? If you sit there and say eight hundred bucks, it's eight hundred bucks. If they say it's worth a hundred bucks, it's worth a hundred bucks. You know, like it's totally up to them. Um, so they had a couple times where they they actually like the one guy didn't want to press charges. He was just like no, he's like I guess I guess he like I don't know he was pretty cool about it but the other time um i was under as well so there were two misdemeanors um and then uh and then this was i don't know how much i forget how much it was i think but it was like it was like right above it Like it wasn't even it was like maybe a couple hundred bucks maybe 300 bucks something like that you take xanax too what's that Did you do Xanax too? Nah, I never really. Um, that wasn't really my thing. Because Xanax
0: always made me steal. I always
1: would steal shit when I was on Xanax. I would never really steal, like burn. Everyone kind of destroyed shit. I I think I'd rather. (laughs) I think I'd rather have somebody steal from me than destroy my house. (laughs)
0: Like here, take
1: fifty bucks. Don't break everything. (laughs) Yeah, just
0: leave everything how it is. So. So now you you copped to that, and what was your charge end up being for that? Since you admitted to it, mm, like so it was I was
1: charged with third degree, third degree, um, uh, third degree felony burglary, and then I, um, I pled it down to fourth degree, and then they had another charge which got uh, there was another, I forget what the other charge was, but they took that off. But yeah, so it was like a fourth. I didn't serve any time. Yeah. Um, i swear so they throw charges just to see what'll stick by the time they
0: get to court you know what i pretty mean like much,
1: yeah i i was it's funny uh you know how, like they're making weed um so like they're expunging like records pretty yeah, much yeah yeah so i was not able to go through they have like a it's like a i forget what the term is in jersey it's like a deferment program i um, was part of it yeah
0: um uh, something with an M like meditate mediation or some kind yeah, of yeah,
1: something like that it's like it's it's it it's like that thing where like they it like takes a, it not away not really a charge but like as long as you do it it, I human, got like not there when
0: I I stole like four grand worth of jewelry once right when I was on Xanax and I was house sitting and it was down like an echo. and I was house-sitting, and I don't remember any of this, but I stole a bunch of my old boss's wife's jewelry, and I went to the closest pawn shop and sold it. And still, like I said, I don't remember any of this shit because it's annexed. Um, but when I got charged, um, you know, what sucked is they arrested me in Audubon. They drove all the way down to Audubon to arrest me in my house, and I had to I get caught. they cuffed.
1: couldn't. Oh, well, I guess it's the charge. They came
0: They're with the, the cop. They came with the cop, the Audubon cop, Gotcha. And it knocked on my door, and then they had to take me for processing all the way down to Echo. So I had to get handcuffed and driven back. You know, I was in the back of the car, handcuffed for forty-five minutes for that yeah. ride down Whitehorse Pike. You know, all yeah, the way. Yeah, because all of
1: them. I'm thinking I was. Yeah. like, I'm thinking no, five minutes so ride, that's yeah. like Maybe half hour. Like nope,
0: forty minutes, forty-five. So I finally get there. The only good thing was it gave my dad enough time to pick up his mom, who just sold her house in Long Beach Island. And get her there to get me out with cash bail before I got sent down to county, right? Because if that if not, they don't get there on time. I'm going to county for processing, too. So yeah. they, they bailed me out enough, you know, fast enough. And I had to do that deferment thing where they gave me a year probation. And I had $4,300 in restitution to pay back. And I had to do 150 hours of community service and all that shit. I I didn't
1: have to do that. I was surprised I didn't have to
0: do that. First, they gave me community service, and it was, like, fucking November, and I was going to have to do trash pickup, like, on Mondays with Audubon's trash. And after one day, I said to my um, probation officer, listen, my back is fucked. There's a reason I'm prescribed these pills. Like, I can't be doing trash pickups like this. I'm never going to do my hours. So she had me do something else. So I found the VFW in Runnymede. And I went oh, into this I think studio. I know
1: which one you're talking
0: about. <laughs> I went and right by that playground and right by that playground on Blackhurst Pike. And I went into it's this dude. Like, it's like white. It's
1: like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly yeah, yeah, yep. yeah.
0: so I went into this dude. And I'm like, hey, man, can I do these hours and blah, blah, blah? Because my dad's office is around the corner. He's like, yeah, that's fine. I would go in there on Saturday and Sunday. And I would mop for, and clean up or the VFW for two hours. And he would mark me down for eight each time. That's
1: what's so up. So
0: <laughs> I, <got, laughs> I got through my hours a lot faster that way. And then I paid my restitution back pretty quickly. So I ended up doing six months of probation because they weren't drug testing me because my I wasn't drug related. I was oh, arrested.
1: They don't, they don't drug test you if you're not drug related? I was No,
0: because they don't, they don't have the resources at the time. They have so many that are drug related. I was arrested for theft. Not Maybe I arrested just assumed everybody
1: drug. inside there was for drug <laughs> I,
0: I didn't smoke weed in that six months just in case, but I still did pills every day because I had the scripts. I had a script for bars. I had a script for thirties, so I yeah. could I, I could pop dirty for that and be like, look, I have a script and not get in trouble for it. Yeah. So I yeah. just didn't smoke weed for six months. You know, the best thing I could have did for myself it's was amazing. That.
1: How that is? It's, it still blows my mind how like I know what? a lot of places are getting rid of the t- drug testing for weed. I know, but like it just blows my mind that the one of my best she friends drug yeah on that like you have to be the most careful about.
0: He got he got in trouble for having weed delivered to his house, you know, and he got five years probation for it. And so what happens in that five years? You get addicted to fucking pills because (laughs) you can do them on probation. You can show a probation officer your script and be okay with it. You know, so he gets addicted to pills instead just because he got some fucking weed delivered to his house. You know, which is now legal in Jersey to do, you know, yeah. so it fucking this episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. The name sounds familiar because it is where my podcast studio is held. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. And since we can't get any of the local businesses to sponsor What we do here, I figure I'll sponsor the podcast. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet somewhere. I can do this in a basement somewhere. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery, and I can do this podcast. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. You know, We've had a lot of amazing success stories that keep me so filled with gratitude that I do this. So if you can help out... What we do here, then that would be amazing. You know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. That's all. That's all we need. You know, we don't need a lot to keep this going. We need like 750 a month. We get 750 a month, and everybody can come here all day long for meetings, and it would be amazing. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. So that's who is sponsoring this podcast for now on. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor, but I'll let you get back to the episode. But yeah, but anyway, yeah, man, it's crazy, you know, what, what, what can happen with drugs and probation, like. Yeah, like you said, you wasn't even none of us are even in trouble for weed and we don't smoke weed. Like yeah, for yeah. me, I was in trouble for weed and I couldn't smoke weed, but I could do pills the entire time. So now are your parents they're not they're not addicts or anything. Like they're just confused uh,
1: watching the kid go through mom, it? it. My mom struggles with alcohol. Okay. Um she she's been struggling with it for pretty much my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um it's kinda like on my mom's side of the family. It's yeah. like hundred percent Irish. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that really has like a correlation to it. My dad's side doesn't have anybody who has any type of substance problem. Um, but my, 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 uncle, Rob, he was, he's a success story. He, um, he was really bad with alcohol. He got, he almost lost his, his, um, my aunt and my cousin and, like he got kicked out, he was living uh, at the homeless shelter over there uh, by uh, 69th Street, uh, right under the L. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, he dug his way out, and he got a college education, and now he runs um, he runs the maintenance for uh, a college. I forget what college is. Maybe Drexel, I think it might be. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, uh, but yeah, he does he does uh, does really well now. Um, he he actually does the meetings he's a meeting guy um and I think he is a regular speaker um he's a really quiet guy otherwise um but i th- i i think uh i I heard that he does speak a lot um I never been to a meeting that he goes to or anything like that but um but yeah, my mom struggles with alcohol still um she is much better like you know i like i guess um she's been like m- not as um lethargic i guess i mean there is a lot of stuff going on in my parents lives right now like they just retired they moved to delaware um delaware is just like one giant interstate restaurant it's like I it's know. like the whole state it's like an interstate restaurant it, it's like uh, it's it that, really it's is weird. it's so weird it's like underdeveloped and it's the first state that's ever been here <laughs> i know <laughs> but uh but yeah uh um it's I for a little while I, like that was kind of like a, a thing with with me for a while because I was getting pissed off that like you know everybody's like focusing the energy on me and like well, like why me and her and then it took a while to realize like it's you know I got what whatever I got to do it can't have anything it has nothing to do with with my mom or yeah whatever other interaction like you know I'm I got to do me and then you know, everything else will hopefully come into place. And, yeah. like, you know, I would try... To, and even after that, like, I would try to, like, convince my brother and sister or my dad, to, like, you know, let you know, maybe we should try to push her to do this, that, a third. Um, and they weren't too keen on it for a while. They're more keen now um, because of, like, a lot of different circumstances and whatever. Um, but I... I'm kind of, like, I've kind of, like, resigned to that. Like, I'm, I'm I don't am i think, uh, I don't, like, I, I want her to go to rehab, and I want her, I just want her to be happy. I want her to, like, be, like, like have a, a nice rest of her life, I guess. And, like, yeah. not, I feel like there's more for her, and she doesn't realize it. I think she's just so, like, it's just, it's,
0: it's hard. a habit.
1: She's it's, been doing it for, like, fucking 30 50, years, yes. 40 years, whatever. And like my grandpa, he was an alcoholic, too. And he was diabetic. He actually had his leg amputated because of it. And my mom is an alcoholic and a diabetic. And and she still continues to do it. And and, you know, I've made you know, all of us in the family have made a mention of it to her at least once at some point in the past. Um, and the first time that I can remember was pro- like fifteen when she told me. And she hasn't done anything. So at this point it's like, you know, it's kinda like she's she's gonna do it on her she's gotta like she's gotta wanna do it. She's got to want to do it. And like I could I'm not going to push her. Um I know like I know there's like my brother and sister are starting to get to like they're like they're starting to push her my sister said something to her the other day about like she flipped out about something um but i'm like i we kind of flip-flopped like i'm now i'm like you know i Are don't you the
0: youngest of three
1: i'm the oldest i'm 37 okay, and Sister sister's 32 i think we're pretty yeah i'm
0: 35 my brother's 32 my sister's 26 you know what i mean okay. like we're three and nine years apart but I'm the oldest of three also. So I think, I think that's just like,
1: I was the guinea pig. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they get it right by the time they get down there. You know, like for me, I I was the addict alcoholic. my brother, he's good. And my sister, she's the best out of all three of us. You know, they just got it right (laughs) in the eighties. They know what the fuck they were doing. They were just figuring their shit out, bro. That's what I learned as being a parent now. Like, man, I'm Googling shit for my seven year old. I'm like, Man, how do my parents do this shit? (laughs) You know? So, and and the alcohol, that's a tough thing. You know, like, if you can't handle it or you think you can, it doesn't matter because it is so acceptable. You know, like, we kind of made mention last night briefly with my new episode that I posted yesterday that was audio only to protect her identity. Like, because you had started listening or watching the other day and I had to take it down because her identity, she didn't want it out there. And it's crazy, the stigma. Like, she's 11 years without a drink and she still feels the stigma of,
1: like, I don't want people to know when I was a bad mom, you know? And But if she's a good, but if she, if she's a good mom now, because yeah. like, the, the past does not matter. It does not. Yeah. It, like, yeah. The past is the past. Like, I know it's like a cliche, I guess, at this point. And I'm not going to say to her.
0: I'm not... Who am I to be like, no, right. it's okay to put that out there. I'm a bad son. I put my shit out there. I'm a bad dad. I put... Right. No, it's not. Everyone has their comfortability yeah. with their recovery, and if you're not comfortable, I'm not going to make you be comfortable. Just like you have to want to be sober, sure. you have to want to be comfortable with what our past was. And yeah. if you're not comfortable yet with what your past was, that's okay. I'm just extremely comfortable because I've always been, like, even in I was doing stand-up comedy and addiction just talking about how bad my day was. You know, getting up on stage it was basically a meeting for me to get up there and be like, I'm J.D., I'm an addict, I'm in the wrong room. All right. And just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and that was a thing and it is what it is. But that's how I had to do it was to just talk about it. So yeah. it is what it is. I'm just glad I put the episode out there and I, I went through and I took out any mention of did where she she talk
1: to you like about that. Like, no, or, no, honestly, she her, like, hey, i got to put it up if it's, you know, audio without, you know,
0: whatever if I'm going to be completely honest no none of that i've i i went through and i took out any identifiers i took out any names i took out locations i think that's i think that's uh, and and i, I and i didn't put the video up at all it's just an audio i, I even took out like names she has a good story right like and i had,
1: she, i didn't finish listening
0: to the rest of it the my point is of why i felt it was so important to still put up and we're going to end with this for now um is that you know there's a lot of moms out there that drink like she drank, where mm. it was only after mm. 5 p.m. You know, it's not like she was an all day drinker while she was trying to take care of her kid. She would only drink after five. She was trying to follow all the rules that society is telling her to make it OK to be a drinker. Mm. Mm-hmm. But she would still forget when she was waking up in the middle of the night and changing her kid because she would still be like kind of drunk from drinking at night, you know, and then hung over and lethargic all morning from drinking all night. But yet it was acceptable because fucking desperate housewives says it's, it's it's acceptable. You know, mm-hmm. there's TV shows, there's Facebook posts saying wine time, mommy wine time. There's all of these things that are promoting for moms to drink wine and it's okay. But yeah. yet, you know, there's nothing about like yeah, it's daddy snort a pill time.
1: <laughs> and going back to what you said, like like um, it is hard for like alcohol has got to be the hardest to manage like post um detox because like it's just so ingrained into society like i i kind of like i kind of stopped like i didn't stop drinking totally but like i really 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 cut back and um like i i I am at a point where like i i do not want to party like get sloshed nothing like that like i'll have a couple beers at a bar maybe and then i'm out like i i barely like people right now so (laughs) but uh, and and that's the thing is i don't ever want to like
0: you know even when i drank and i drank in my recovery for nine months you know at 13 months i started drinking again and i drank non-alcoholically but like i would go to see like i saw tom segura live i saw burt kreischer live you know what i mean i was going to live shows <clears throat> i would have a couple drinks before the show i would go to a pool and have a couple drinks go out to dinner or lunch and have a drink but i wasn't like drinking alcoholically Until I actually did drink alcoholically at the end for the last day. And I woke up hungover and I said, fuck this, I'm done again, you know, but, and that's the problem is it's everywhere. I can walk into a fucking sheets, you know, in New Jersey, it's different. It's not everywhere as much, but in Pennsylvania, sure as fuck is like, we don't have Wawa's up here. We have sheets, but if I walk into sheets, I can walk past an entire refrigerator that's a walk-in of all the beers and whatever twisted teas, you know, the shit that yeah. I that I like. And I'm like, I can't
1: like, this is like totally different. That people at it, social level, like people just, it's like, it's like, it's almost like second nature. Like it's people, a will, first
0: date idea. Like some
1: kind of a social gathering. It's like alcohol. It's, it's a first
0: great. date. It's a first date on Tinder
1: if you're trying to see somebody. Hey, let's go to a bar and have a drink and get to know each other. They, the have, they, they have that one thing. Uh, it's like. Um, it's like things you like to do, and it's like grab a drink or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, but it's not like I can't it's be not even like,
1: like phonetic or uh, grammat- grammatically like grammatically
0: correct. correct. <laughs> <It's> like hey, <laughs> hey, my name is JD. I like to take you out sometime. I got some lovely blues I can bang up for us, <laughs> and so we can snort, do some tootsies, and have a nice conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like, everything you do is like it's it's. like I went to North Carolina with my family back in the summer, and oh, I. Nice. Um, I was kind of like, where'd you go? Struggling outer banks? With a little bit. Sorry. Outer Banks. Yeah. Yeah. And I was struggling, kind of like, I don't know what it was. I kind of went through. I think I'm still going through it. I just have, I've been having a lot of like issues with, um, uh, I guess social settings. Like, uh, I've, I don't know if it's like anxiety or something like that. Um, and I, I haven't, I have actually been looking for a therapist because I want to handle it like. I want to handle this like in a healthy way, not like, you know, go do some other shit. So in this, in the summer is when like I at that time like I was just feeling really like I, I wasn't like relating with people. Um I felt like everything that people were doing around me, I didn't want to do. Like so in North Carolina, like, you know, I'm with my my mom's side of the family. and... Everybody's in vacation mode. My sister's a teacher and she goes to school. Um, she's getting her PhD right now. My brother he runs uh, an app and he's an arch- he's an architect. Um, everybody had sh- had shit going on in their lives and this is their vacation, so they're cutting loose and drinking or whatever. And I just did not want to do that. I wanted to like do other shit. I wanted to like you know go walk the beach and just I don't know do whatever. What were you and, mean, like roller. Sorry, where were you in Corolla? Uh, we were in. Where were we? Uh, we were just south of Kitty Hawk. Okay, I think that's
0: what it is. Yeah, I've been there a bunch, but it's it's walking. You can walk. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah.
1: Um, and uh, um, yeah. I just I was just I don't know. I didn't want to do any any like just excessive drinking type of activity. It just it wasn't, and like I I told my sister about it. You know, how, how I was feeling about, like, I guess life in general before we went on the trip. And, but I also didn't want to, like, it was like a thing where, like, you don't want to be a burden on people, but, you know, but you also, you're know, like, you're trying not to, you know, be like a recluse and, like, you know, it's not, it's like, it's not you guys. It's like, right now, I'm just going through something and I just don't want to be around that, I guess. It's like, but you don't want to stop them from doing that. So they, you know, and if then you start feeling like, oh, like, I, even though you, you know, like, you're you're letting them do that, you start feeling like, oh, like, you know, nobody's really caring, stopping to, like, you know, say anything to me, like, you know, uh, so I was kind of, like, struggling with shit, I still kind of am, like, I really don't get out a lot, I used to be 100% extroverted, now I'm, like, if I go if I go out somewhere, I'm like plotting my Irish goodbye the minute I walk in that place. Dude. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know if COVID did it to me, um, but
0: I think it did a lot for me, at least, too. And I was the same yeah. way. Very out. Like I'm always out. Like, I always consider my brother and I, um, I talked about it, I was just the best man at his wedding. And, yeah. you know, we were like Sean and Corey Matthews growing up where we weren't together. You know what I mean? Like I was never around in high school and growing up. We were three years apart and we couldn't have been any more different. You know, we both played sports. Yeah. But I was never home. I was out with my friends. They came first all the time. And he knows that. My
1: brother is the same way. And then in
0: our 20s, it flopped. And when we lived together in North Carolina, we became best friends and not brothers living together. You know, when we got through that together And then, you know, now we're best friends That are brothers You know, we talk all the time We talk to us every day And it's a totally different friendship And just like in Boy Meets World You know, when you watch it, they didn't talk They didn't get along when Sean and Corey were in high school But then when you go to the college years episodes And they're roommates, they're best friends And I felt the same thing happen my brother and I Where you could relate to them differently Where you actually want them around Because at that point We push all of our friends because our friends are the ones getting us high. You know, the friends are the ones that want us to go get fucked up all the time. And our brother just wants us to be our brother. You know what I mean? My brother just wants me to be his brother. You know, he doesn't want anything from me. He's more successful than I am. You know what I mean? Like way more successful than I am. He doesn't want shit from me. He just wants to have a brother. Yeah. And it's that kind of shit that like and my sister, the same thing. I don't know about my sister is a normie too, where she can party, she got amazing grades, she graduated yeah, my college. Is
1: totally like that. Totally.
0: And the crazy thing is, that so you mentioned outer banks. Um, when I went to rehab, my sister was graduating college and I was gonna have to miss her graduation and miss the outer banks trip to celebrate the graduation. And I called her like you know, almost in tears to be like, sorry, but like, I got to go to rehab. And then she started bawling, crying, which made me upset. And then she was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm, I I don't care if you're not my fucking thing. I need you to get sober. I'm so happy. Like, and she was crying out of happiness. And that's kind of when it hit me like, okay, I am doing the right thing. Like I had a big showcase that night, a punchline, um, for new comics, um, for Philly's Funniest. Okay. And it was the top 20 new comics in Philly. And if you win and you get a write-up and all that shit, I didn't even show up. Um, I didn't even call them. I didn't anything because I was afraid. I didn't think I was going to win, but I was afraid I was going to win. And I was afraid if I won, I would have talked myself out of going to go rehab that Wednesday. Because yeah. I was a Monday night and rehab yeah. was Wednesday. And I was afraid. I knew me. If I would have won, I would have been like, look what you just fucking did high on pills. You can do anything you don't mm-hmm. need to get sober, and I was going to talk myself out of rehab, and so I just didn't even call them.
1: I just didn't even show up. That's what I did when I went to rehab. I just, I, I walked into work. I had, I <laughs> walked in five minutes before my shift. The minute the clock hit my shift time, I walked out the back door, went straight home, and then that's when I told my mom I wanted to go to rehab. That, that's... I had three jobs at the time. I quit all of them. I had to like just Stop. I called the other two when I got home. I was like, I, "I'm not coming." When in.
0: you know you're ready and you actually want to go and no one's making you, it's a lot easier. Like, I walked yeah. into my dad's office because we we my dad and I and my brother we ran a rotor rooter plumbing out here in like Hershey. So okay. I walked into his office and oh, I was
1: rotor rooter trucks. I remember <laughs> Yeah, rotor root.
0: Yeah, we own a franchise out around um, central okay. PA. And I walked into his office and I was like, "Hey, um, I got to go to rehab." And, you know, I'm 31, I'm 32, and they knew I had problems in my 20s with pills, but I've been managing that problem for a while. And he was like, for weed? You know, because that's all he knew I did was (laughs) smoke weed. I had quit drinking for six months before I went to rehab because it was literally hurting my liver to mix alcohol with the pills. So he was like, no, I've been... Yeah, so bad for you. I was like not smoking really as much as you think I was smoking. I was doing pills, you know every single day i need to go to rehab for pills like i'm ready to go i found a rehab i'm already got a flight i just i need to take off so he was like all right well yep just hand me you you flew to your rehab la i went to la bro why'd you go to la because i saw a documentary called legend of 420 and in that documentary oh right they talked about high sobriety and which was a rehab that helped you change your relationship with cannabis so, yeah, insurance-based, uh, no insurance will not cover it because it's related. It expensive? Um, detox for the first 29 days was covered by insurance, which is the most expensive part because detox and a long-term
1: facility,
0: yeah. You couldn't use cannabis in the first 29 days. I was mixed in with everybody else, part of you know, Muse M-U-S-C was a treatment center, Muse Treatment, New Start, whatever they want to call it now. So we go into treatment together, and after 29 days, some of us go to high sobriety, some of us go to um, sober living right across the street from each other, in houses, you know, dropped in on the street. So we had to split up because our medicine was cannabis. It's like a little
1: community almost, like a little, like a block. No, bro, we were in the
0: middle of fucking L.A. You wouldn't even know what's inside of our house. You could be, we're surrounded by other houses, people working nine to fives, like, just dropped in the middle of LA you can walk by and only if you knew why there were so many people outside that house like a lot of housing in
1: LA is like that like, it is
0: it is so that's how it is out there that's why it's so big out there is because you know they are just dropping rehabs and houses everywhere yeah. so even my detox was in a fucking house you know what i mean where you wouldn't even i, I pulled up with the dude pick up from the airport i'm like where the fuck are we he was like <laughs> he was like this is your detox i'm like this is a house he was like welcome home <laughs> You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) and but that's what it was, was twenty nine days. And I was all covered through insurance. When I went to rehab, when I went to sober living, I had to pay fifteen hundred out of pocket a month for rent. And then I.O.P. That's not too bad. It's not. And I.O.P. was covered through insurance. So they would charge my insurance for the intensive outpatient that I had to go to. And then I would I would have to pay rent fifteen hundred dollars a month in L.A., I thought you had going to say some
1: astronomical number, no, no. $10,000 or some shit. Nope.
0: It wasn't that bad, it, and it was so fucking worth it. I lived in Culver City. I could walk most places. Where's Culver? Culver City's on the west side. Um, It's about a 20-minute drive to West Hollywood. Um, okay. It's kind of like 10, 15 minutes from Santa Monica. So okay. it is along the ocean side. It's the west side of LA. So it's a lot nicer, too. Like, it would be nice, like, in the 60s in the morning – Wear a hoodie while you're smoking your morning cigarette. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. fucking loved the morning times in L.A. Wake up, walk down the 7-Eleven, and yeah, I'll grab yeah. my yeah. cigarettes and my Monster and all that. And we weren't allowed to have- out
1: there recently for the first time. And oh, actually, what? What yeah, were and it actually was funny. That week was, like, the first time my brother ever saw hail in L.A. It was, like, raining half the time. <laughs> Did your brother live in L.A.? Yeah, he moved out there, like, eight years ago. It was the first time I saw him, actually. Um, chick- tickets were, like, 100 bucks. yeah. I was yes. like, fuck it. I'm like, I'm going to LA.
0: Yeah, it's not that expensive to fly to LAX. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if you yeah. do it in
1: advance from Philly to another, LAX. Um, there was another airport he mentioned that he said that it, um, Burbank. It's closer to him than Burbank. I want to say it was San San Monica.
0: Oh, uh,
1: okay. There is Santa Monica. Yes. Yeah. It's like a little. It's like a tiny uh, airport. Like only yep. maybe like only. Is South that where place. he is? Santa Monica. He is in Laguna Niguel. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like maybe a half an hour south of LA. Yeah, towards Malibu, I think. Yeah, maybe. 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 Yeah. It's in Orange County. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like and there was a lot of like people like, from Orange you.
0: County in rehab. What's that? <laughs> Orange County had a lot of people in rehab with me. Oh
1: I bet. <laughs> yeah, Orange
0: Orange County and um what was the other fucking um Ventura maybe? something with a b too there was a lot of fucking the meth out there is crazy you know yeah. what i mean The and a lot of the drugs are crazy coming straight from mexico through tijuana right through the yeah. border down
1: there I so got covid in mexico uh on, on new year's eve holy <laughs> he shit went, he went to a rave party at in um in uh uh i think it was in cozumel no not cozumel um uh there's a, a a a city like I guess it's like a port city and it brings you to oh like, yeah 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 Cruise I forget the name yeah. of it um but he got it there it's like a, he's uh he's been traveling a lot and he went to some rave party down there and then got COVID <laughs> I was like I'm like yeah. you would man you would
0: <laughs> it happens I I'm lucky I scared it by um like, yeah, I'm, I I might have gotten it for all the fuck I know. Well, um, but I did, don't know. Did you have a moment where you felt sick? Well, yeah, and on top of that, but my kid had it, and my kid, you know, it was a fucking seven-year-old. We're talking about he doesn't know how to cover his mouth when he's coughing or sneezing or fucking burping. Yeah. You know, he's a seven-year-old, and his dad gave it to him, and then he brought it into our house from his dad, and okay. somehow my wife and I we got tested twice, did not test positive for COVID. Did you our get the um? Was it the test it's like the oh, antibodies test that tells oh, you if you it had was, it? No, not yet. No, okay. we got the fucking
1: swab up to the nose. I haven't gotten any tests. Um so, you haven't been tested for COVID at all? No. I hey. haven't been sick at all.
0: Yeah. Um, I, 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 was I, I I had like I said, I haven't really been getting out.
1: So like
0: <laughs> I had my gallbladder like, removed in June, dude. Like because I, of? no, because of um pills. Because um, of um, um uh, all the years of throwing up bile, right? All the years I was, because th- you know how it is when you're withdrawing, like, when you're, when you would withdraw, when you threw up, it was
1: bile, right? Well, actually, what's funny is when, so, all the times I withdrew on Percocets, I never once threw up. When I was withdrawing off heroin, uh, I was throwing up to the point, I was, for four days straight, I threw and, up. To the point was, where I was throwing, I was, you know, it was, like, dry it heat. It was bile, but when you, and when I say
0: bile, mean it feels like mucus is coming out, right? yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's bile and bile is stored in your gallbladder and it helps like, process and fruit. shit. Like,
1: yeah. It's yeah, supposed yeah, to down about.
0: food and all that. Yeah, so, so the problem is I was withdrawn like that for nine years. So I always threw up like that. And yeah. so my gallbladder stopped functioning after a while. And I didn't know that even in sobriety. And then eventually it shut down in sobriety. And now to the point that's where
1: surprising. How long were you sober when that happened? Three years, three years that's, with no pills. When that that's happened, that's crazy. Like yeah. I would think that it would. Two least...
0: years when symptoms started showing, and then a whole year of testing. Do they not regenerate? COVID. Like they don't? Like your body doesn't fight anything back? They like... just took it out. It and when they took it out, they also saw that I'm missing a ton of stomach lining where the gallbladder is Jesus. because the bile that I was throwing up started it's eating so violent. Like
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: So now I don't have a lot of stomach tissue, like in my stomach where my gallbladder is under my chest. And so I had this nerve that when I cough, it rubs up against the back of my stomach because there's no tissue to protect So does it hurt every time you cough? It hurts every time I cough to this day. And there's nothing I can do about it for the rest of my life. Nothing. Nothing. Um, They gave me a pill for it, and I barely take them because they're small and circular and blue, and I don't trust them um you know it's a fucking thing you know? yeah and so I don't like to take them if I don't have to but sometimes I have to when the pain gets so bad
1: Damn, um
0: they're, it's called like desipramine or some shit like that is the name of the pill it's for it's for nerves um okay. but yeah it it sucks and it is what it is and I'm kind of stuck like that you know <laughs> for the and that's why I don't smoke weed too that's why I just use the edibles and I don't smoke because smoking makes you cough true so if I rip a bong, sure. I'm in so much pain from coughing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's that's why that it is what it, it is, is. What it is. It gave me yeah. a chance to change my relationship with it, and now I don't smoke at all. You know, now I just use the
1: you know the edibles and the you know. Is there any type of like? Can you like exercise and maybe? like fortify that area or something like i don't know how i don't know anything nah, about no no not so, not that
0: i know of so far all i can said that is,
1: it's just going to be like that it's just, yep it's what it is three years before it actually like well, turned like it's that's weird two years two years before
0: i started getting symptoms and then it was a whole year of testing odd i odd. was getting tested all the time that means for a it year. just
1: kept degenerating it just kept it,
0: it just kept getting worse and worse yes yeah.
1: Yep. That's, that's strange. Uh, yeah.
0: But either way, I'm here now, um, even though they shot with a bunch of fentanyl when I told them not to. Wait, and what? Yeah. When I when I went in for that surgery, I was like, listen, you can't give me any opioids. Like, And they're like, OK, we're the doctors. I said, no, but really, you can't. And then I woke up and I immediately knew I was high. And I said to my wife and the nurse, like, I'm high. They're, they're like, no, that's the anesthesia. I said, no, this is opiates. I know what I'm feeling. And then the doctor like strolled by and he's like, Oh, sorry about that. You looked uncomfortable. So we had to shoot you a couple times with fentanyl and once with the lauded. That's I'm like, gotta
1: be a lawsuit.
0: I'm like, Do you know what the fuck's gonna happen to me? They're like, You said you haven't done pills in three years. I said I haven't. That like you're gonna be fine then. Outpatient procedure, bro. As soon as I walk into the parking lot, I start going in the withdrawal. I threw up for 18 straight hours. Damn. I had four incisions in my stomach. I had to hold a pillow to my stomach every time I threw up because I was throwing up so much in withdrawal. I went into Jesus. immediate withdrawal. Yeah. Really? It fucking sucked. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. So I can't do opiates anymore. That's what I learned that day.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it is what it is again. <laughs> and thank you for coming on. I'm gonna have you on yeah. crap another time. Um especially if you want to do my sports one and talk sports movies with me. Absolutely. Do you, I know you like sports. Do you follow A2D Radio?
1: Uh, so I have a buddy. I guess A2D also has like a wrestling
0: yeah, uh, they do. Yeah. thing.
1: I yeah. have a buddy that does the wrestling podcast.
0: Okay, yeah. I'm good friends with Tom Arnone, the guy that started A2D. We went to high school together. Okay. The dude that like does Crumb of the Week and started A2D Radio, him and I grew up together, and he was looking for I new show ideas. Yeah, yeah, right in Mount Ephraim. There, literally, he lives in Mount Ephraim does it out of his garage. Oh, well. And um so a bunch of people on the show
1: I know from high school. So he was like, Yeah, looking for a new lights. It's idea. amazing the landscape of of I used to get high together. Like, creators like like with this stuff, like you can just do it from your garage. Like you yeah. just start a fucking website and like yeah. it's amazing.
0: I used to sell him pills like ten years ago all the time when he was addicted to pills still. <laughs> like you know how it is. <laughs> so like I hit him up. He knows what I'm doing with my podcast, and he's been like saying, Oh, that's awesome, blah blah blah. So I was like, hey, how about a show where I just break down my favorite sports movies with different guests each episode and have the guest pick a sports movie and we break it down? It's
1: weird because I was thinking uh, – because like I'm definitely doing something with movies on my uh, YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about – so I have, a, I have a buddy who is a reporter for the Sixers, and um he – I was thinking about having him on, like eventually, like because I'm doing a little, pl- I'm planning out futures and everything like that, and like I was, I want to definitely want to have him on for, like a sports, uh, movie talk. And I was thinking about this yesterday, and then you're talking about this now, and like it's just like I love like when I love Small World shit like that. Yeah, like, uh, is when you're at a bar, and it's like after a football game, so the so the game uh, the broadcast changes, and usually it's like Law and Order. Yeah but somebody put on uh, like um LMFAO, like party rock anthem. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like you like look up and the TV and the lyrics just like sync up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's another one I want to do called Coffee, Cannabis and Cartoons where I just Coffee wait for the Spence. edibles to, yeah, where I this wait for like, the edibles to kick in and this, do. I need to know about this. No, that's what I want to do. I want to do a show called Coffee, Cannabis oh. and Cartoons. Where I wait for the edibles like, to kick in and watch, like, is. Bob's Burgers and talk about Bob's
1: Burgers. I'm, I'm like, a huge cartoon guy. Yeah, it's me like, too. The That's The reason always... I got into, like, illustration is because of cartoons. Like, I used to watch a yeah. fuck-ton of Animaniacs. Like, for me, it's
0: Bob's Burgers mostly. Like, I watch a lot of cartoons, but Bob's is my go-to background music. I don't put music on in the background. I put Bob's on in the background. You know, when I'm working,
1: Bob's is on my TV. Oh, it's you know, got to be me? lo-fi music, man. I'll, oh, okay. I'll Lo-fi or Wu Tang? I can do Wu Tang too. Nice. It's got to be something that's like, um, it's got that low fidelity sound. Who was just one of the dudes from Wu Tang was just on Tom Segura's
0: podcast and it was really fucking good. Um, do you like Segura? Do you watch it? Watch uh, it at So all?
1: I, I haven't really gotten, I haven't watched all of his standoffs. I watched one recently. Uh, a friend showed me. I forget which one it was. Um, but it was like, really good. I remember it was being really good. Two
0: Bears good. One Cave is a great podcast with him and Bert. Um a crush yeah. takes his shirt off all the time um they have a great podcast together um but tom has one called tom talks where he interviews people like just one-on-one because he also has your mom's house where yes. it's him and his wife and that. that has millions of fucking followers like it's one of the top five and really? yeah it's up wow. there with rogan's with
1: like popular um, i listen to joe rogan like all the time Yeah, I listen to Rogan. Do you think, so, like, me personally, I think Joe Rogan as, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Joe Rogan's stand-up, like, I don't, I don't don't. find it particularly that funny, but I love his podcast, like, I love it. And, you know
0: why? It's because he knows how to listen. Yeah. He knows how to shut the fuck up, and he knows how to listen, but he also knows how to ask the questions that we're asking in the car. You know, yeah. when we're listening at home, he's asking the same questions we have.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then he he's shuts up. Aware of how he approaches things too, like he knows, like if he's like overstepping or yeah, you know, like how to how to speak to somebody to get them to like open up more or or vice versa, things like that. Like he's a good interviewer. I and think like the thing is, the king is all, like Howard.
0: Howard sorry? Stern is the king of like you know getting people to open up.
1: Like yeah, Stern,
0: yeah. he could sit there and people, you know, when I listen to Howard, even so growing up, stories he gets people to tell. Right? People will, people will start <laughs> preface their stories with like, "I can't believe I'm about to tell you this." The Jim Howard.
1: Brewer story about uh, Lars Ulrich from Metallica. Oh, yeah, I know. That. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> Jim Brewer has told some, but yeah, he he was just on there. They just, <laughs> they just replayed that recently too. Like, really? give that if anyone listening, give that a Google: Jim Brewer and Howard Stern and, and Lars Ulrich. Definitely worth it. And cool. Lars Ulrich. <laughs> there's a um, uh, fucking Matt Damon wrote about Lars Ulrich in Good Will Hunting, kind of. Like, you've seen Good Will Hunting? Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. So the end of Good Will Hunting is, you know, she leaves and she goes to California, right? She's going to college and she yeah. leaves and he goes to follow, see about a girl. Well, in real life, Matt Damon was writing about his girlfriend that left him. And was for somebody else, and that somebody else was Lars Ulrich. That shit. Yeah, I read that somewhere years ago. <laughs> really? So, yeah.
1: Interesting. I
0: never knew so, that. But then again, that movie was also rewritten by Kevin Smith. That movie was not going to be made from Matt Damon and Ben Affleck writing it. You know how, like, you watch Kevin Smith movies, like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and all that? Remember how they did Good Will Hunting 2, Hunting Season*, And they're like, you know how when your friend says you owe them a favor— and because Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were in, you know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back*, yeah. the sequel, well, the favor that they owed him, that they owed him, was he rewrote *Goodwill Hunting* for them, and that's how they were able to sell it. They weren't able to sell. Their I did that either. And Ben Affleck, who,
1: movie stuff. Ben Affleck
0: was good friends with Kevin Smith from doing *Mole Rats* and shit, right? Yeah. Doing yeah. those movies. He said to his buddy, who was a writer, "Hey, take a look at my script for me." And Is then Kevin he, Smith on the credits
1: for
0: he's, a, he's in a special thanks. And
1: hey, then they, uh, I was gonna and say, then like they thanked confused. him. Like, and
0: yeah, then they thanked him during their Academy Award speech because he fucking rewrote it and never mm-hmm. would have became a movie if he didn't do the rewrites.
1: Interesting.
0: So the favor that he they owed him for Good Will Hunting 2, Hunting Season, and Jay and Silent Bob was the favor of him rewriting Good Will Hunting for them to sell it. That's one of my favorite fucking movies so, yeah. like, yeah, so, when I read that, I'm like, no wonder why I like this movie so much. I fucking love Kevin Smith movies.
1: Yeah. By writing. Yeah. Clerks is, is really... like, one of my all-time favorite comedies. It's top yeah. 10 easily. And I'm, not, that's... I'm not too big on the, the newer ones, but. And I haven't even seen the new Clerks 3, but,
0: like, you know, the way he wrote in the 90s, like, if <laughs> if you were to read my first screenplay I wrote, um, you would say, did you, like, try to be Kevin Smith? You know what I mean? Like, the first screenplay I wrote was 10 years ago. And it was called Video Story about these two guys that worked at a video rental store, which is kind of similar. And they find love. You know
1: what I mean? And that would be a good like like film to write now because there's a little bit of a like a nostalgic thing is like, yeah, I still have it fucking video stores anywhere.
0: I still have it somewhere. There's a lot of conversations. I started writing because of Quentin Tarantino, though. Yeah, like he's the one I watched True Romance. And after I got done watching it, I'm like, I need to write movies like I need to write Tarantino movie. True Romance. True Romance. And he didn't even direct it. He wrote it. Right. You know, my favorite one that he wrote and directed would probably be Inglourious Bastards. wrote and directed. Um, But I would say just straight wrote is True Romance. So what I'm really curious of is he wrote Natural Born Killers. Right, The yeah. one of the biggest movies in the nines was Oliver Stone, but he hates it. He got his name taken off of the credits yeah. yeah. He refuses to write for other people because of what Oliver Stone did to his original script. And like, so that makes me so curious. Like, everyone loves that movie, but him, it makes me very curious. Like, I'm what, what did it. Tarantino write that Oliver Stone changed? And I want to see Tarantino's
1: version. Yeah. You yeah. know <laughs> I feel like I feel like um Tarantino's voice would be better suited for that movie than Oliver Stone's. A hundred percent. I mean yeah. I Oliver Stone's like meh. He does history biopics. You know
0: what I mean? Like yeah. think about like what he did in the eighties. Um he did
1: like Born on Fourth of July. He did um fucking Wall That's Street a good movie. I do like Born on the Fourth of July, although it's a uh, it's not um it doesn't have a lot of rewatch value.
0: Like no was,
1: i saw it once yeah really good but like i don't know if i'm gonna be chomping at the bit to watch it again he did a three part that was part two of his
0: three-part thing for vietnam you know part one was in that movie with charlie sheen what's that fucking movie uh, he platoon platoon that was his first movie they did for that was based on oliver stone in, in vietnam that was based on his experience. Right,
1: right. So
0: part two of his Vietnam was him doing Born on Fourth of July, and then he did, like, something else that was Vietnam-related for another one. But What's think it, about what? it. I forget. He did, like, JFK, you know what I mean, in mm-hmm. the 90s. You know, he was doing all these movies. He did W. Did he know? do Bobby? He might have. He does all historical ones. Like he's I obsessed. think he might have done that. He's obsessed with doing historical shit. And he even had a showtime series that was breaking on the history of the United States. So for for him to do natural born killers was like kind of off. It was taking somebody else's writing. Usually he was taking real life events and making them dramatic. So I I know that's why I, I don't really like natural born killers. And I and I think it's because of that. I just I would appreciate Tarantino's version more. I love the idea of couples together. My second thing I wrote was called Hybristophilia, and Hybristophilia is the technical term for Bonnie and Clyde Syndrome. And it's Bonnie
1: and Clyde Syndrome.
0: Bonnie and Clyde Syndrome means I'm attracted to somebody because they do bad shit.
1: That's Is this like an actual... Yeah, Hybristophilia oh, uh... is the word for it.
0: Yeah. Huh. So I wrote a screenplay called Hybristophilia, which is about a couple that falls in love that are con artists together. And it takes place in the 80s, And the woman is the narrator doing the voiceover the entire time It's from her perspective, which is a nod to Tarantino with what he did with True Romance with having her doing the narration. And I wanted her perspective of it and her to kind of be in charge because no one really knows that Bonnie was in charge of Clyde. You know, Clyde was a simp, as what guys would call him (laughs) today. You know, Bonnie said she wanted this, she wanted that, and he did whatever the fuck Bonnie wanted. And Bonnie ran shit.
1: Did you so, see that history channel um yeah uh with Emil Hirsch, I guess yep. it was. That's what I'm, yes. that's
0: where you know they really for the first time did they make it public that Bonnie was in charge, not him. Yeah. It was in that, you know, in that eight part series or whatever, a four part series. I think it was four parts and they were two hours long. The Emil Hirsch one that you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, sounds about right.
1: Yeah.
0: And but yeah, so I wrote Hybristophilia, and um my fucking hard drive failed on act three. And my So, you don't, died. you no longer have the script? No. Oh, the I have it up here, a lot of this shit. Right. And yeah. then I was about to start writing again, and then Will Smith's Margot Robbie Focus came out. And it's very similar with how it's kind of. That movie was
1: not that good. I it, didn't like it.
0: It it wasn't, it wasn't. To me, it was like, I need to take a break from this script because this movie exists. And mm-hmm. it was similar with the, She Went Under His Wing she was his you know he was her mentor i say nonsense i say you can have the script i, just, I know I, write it. <laughs> I, need, I need to redo it now you know
1: I, i've been getting my juices flowing with rewriting again so you yeah know. it's like i got like so many things i want to do it's just like it's a matter of just doing them you know it's like yeah. what where to do them in and how to manage like i'm i'm really it's hard to like
0: you i found a so hotel that i want it yeah
1: it's like you, it's hard to like manage them and like like i I, i'm just learning how to like like i used to never do shit like like actual creative projects and finish them like it would last like eight years to like finish it maybe i finish it maybe i don't and then so like i'm trying to so like i'm trying to learn how to like handle one job and then like also like make it two and then maybe maybe make it three and then try to handle a bunch of different things slowly but i'm also like i just turned 37 two weeks ago so like I'm also trying to like make up for lost time, so I'm trying to hustle and stuff. But, but also I'm like perfectionist and like I need to be this way. So like it's just so hard to like manage doing things like crazy. Yeah. You know. Well,
0: I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me, bud. Yeah, I thanks gotta hop off, yeah. and right. I will let you know when this is out. All right, man. All right, thanks, dude. I appreciate. It. Have a good day. Peace. All right, good birds. See you. Birds. <laughs> <laughs>